0: Buddies, fellow Franco fans, lovers of Uncle Jess and his wild universe, it is I, your host, Jason Rudy, from Desperate Visions Productions, Sacramento, California-based filmmaking company. Today I come from you today, from your nightmares, for this is episode 27, film 27, the film Nightmares Come at Night, filmed in 1969. Uh, circa September nineteen sixty nine. Uh, second shooting period was January-February 1970, and uh, Belgium, January 18th, 1973, it played, and theatrical running time when it did play in Belgium was 85 minutes. Uh, the original theatrical title is Les Cauchemers Nessent Le Nuit. Alternative title, Dutch-language Belgium theatrical title, Nightmares uh, come the USA UK DVD title. Nightmares come at night. The Spanish DVD Blood in the Night Sangre e la Noche. Um, por- Portuguese DVD Nocturnal Nightmares Pesadelos Nocturnos. Uh, French shooting title The Eyes of the Night Les Yeux de la Noite, uh, Spanish shooting title The Eyes of the Night as well. Los Ochos de la Noche. Note, there is no Lichtensteinian version of the film. Okay. Production company, Prodiff ETS out of Vaduz. Theatrical distributors, Stellar Films from Brussels. Um, Let's see. The one we watched was uh, the... Let's see. Which one is this? This is the um, Redemption... Kino Lorber Blu-ray uh, it's uh, French with English subtitles or English dubbed um, audio commentary by Tim Lucas it's got a cool 20 minute documentary about the making of the film including an interview with Franco it's got a little homage to uh, Jess Franco by Danielle Goet and uh, yeah so that's uh, it's a cool cool buy there's a lot of good extras on that which extras always are prime reason to buy Blu rays, except for me. Um, a lot of times, you know, of course, Franco Film will just buy whatever, but always other films that I look for. Always want like an audio commentary, obviously, with somebody that I, I dig, usually a fellow uh, critic or a writer or something like that, or fellow filmmaker, or the filmmakers are still alive, or, um, you know, I don't know, the interviewing of the actors and actresses are okay, but I'm more into the actual text of the film like how I do this program and everything um so yeah let me see um I'm gonna go over a course uh murderous passions the delirious cinema of Jesus Franco volume one to get some of the text on this um cast on this is uh, Diane Lorys plays Anna Del Estera princess of Eutoria Paul Mueller is Dr. Paul Lucas and uh those are the main t- uh, uh two along with Colette G.S. Combine as Colette Jack Cynthia Robin so those are the the three mains you see those three a lot and then of course the other bit players is Jack Taylor in his second film for Franco uh, Cynthia's lover playwright and then you have uh, Andreas Manales in I think his first film as well for Franco did uh, I think like six films um, as uh, The Neighbor along and then Sola Miranda as Susan Corda as the neighbor's girlfriend. Uh, The review he puts on this is a, an undertow of sadness soaks every moment of the excellent nightmares come at night. A sort of minimalist drive-the-lady-crazy giallo told at half-speed. With slurred pacing, redolent of narcotic surrender, it depicts the misfortunes of Anna, a lonely young woman working as a stripper who falls under the spell of a wicked and wealthy female patron, Cynthia Robin. According to Franco in an interview given in 1976, Nightmares Come at Night was his cheapest film to that point. It is all the more impressive that he achieved such an elegant, mournful atmosphere, telling his story at the same dreamy pace as his classic erotic horror tales Succubus and Venus in Furs. Although the zoom lens is beginning to make its presence felt, there remains a deliberate, stately quality to the film. On the downside, one could say it lacks enough dramatic meat, and it's also rather airless. There are only a handful of speaking parts, and the majority of the film revolves around the two women and their doctor, Paul Mueller, whose role in the mystery is perhaps too easy to anticipate that very air. Listlessness, though, becomes a strength as the film progresses. It's clearly quite deliberate on Franco's part. For instance, Cynthia begins sorry—for instance, Cynthia keeps caged birds in a glass-ceilinged room, which they're allowed to see the sky, but never go outside. Which underlines the motif and confinement of and claustrophobia. Um, nightmares Come at Night opens with one of those curious giveaway the plot montages that occasionally popped up in Spanish and Italian films of that period. Cut together, it must be said, confusingly enough, to do little more than alert the ticket buyer that bare breasts are on the way. The post credit sequence with Anna in the bed, writhing in the toils of a nightmare, marks the beginning of a visible, visual trope Franco would use over and over again in the 70s and 80s. A sleeping, squirming woman assailed by disturbing dreams in this case an erotic encounter that ends with her apparently garroting her male partner also pulled to also pushed to the foreground is lesbian eroticism while not pornographically explicit Sapphic sex is openly filmed with visible pubic hair and prolonged groping of breasts. Frankl clearly never intended to sell the film in Spain. He knew it was destined for France and Belgium, territories where such imagery could be spared the censor, so he decided to push the boundaries. In a sense it's his first private, as opposed to personal, film. Made cheaply with no product with no producer and as such and just a handful of actors shot in a week with no guarantee of release it exudes a sense of pure experimentalism experimentalism inaugurating the time stretching cinema Franca would later hone in such outstanding works as Shining Sex and Das Bildnis der Doriana Gray yeah and uh, on a personal side as a as a filmmaker that's very similar to you know shooting that same style as, uh, except you do it over, like, say, two or three weekends or one week's time if paying actors, minimal on that. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the way we do it nowadays. So that's kind of cool as we follow Church of Jess. This may be a film with few narrative events, but one set piece deserves special mention. An extraordinarily, an extraordinary strip sequence lasting over seven minutes. It's distinguished by a room voiceover exploring the nature of seduction the striptease phenomenon and the deferral of gratification as a end in itself that could speak for Franco's entire over in erotic films I had to focus the spectators attention as long as possible with a strip that lasted forever the boss wanted me to last most of the evening Anna he used to say I don't care how you do it show them all you've got but take your time and when they think it's over Do it again. Make it last longer. It excites them. And so I did what I could. I invented lascivious moves, eccentric pauses. It's also an extraordinary psychological exploration of love and obsession. A stripper who's been growing bored with her act until a desirable client pays her special attention. Flattered and eager to please, she engages more deeply with the performance. Who is hypnotizing who? Is Anna mesmerizing Cynthia with her stage act? or Cynthia's obsessive gaze, causing Anna to sink deeper and deeper into her observer's power. It is, of course, the latter, and as such it works as a metaphor for the way abusive partners gain insight into the psychology of their victims, drawing out of them all their secrets, their fantasies, and private emotions while remaining cool and detached. Those eyes didn't leave me, Anna says. I didn't know exactly what I felt. A pleasure, but tense, almost discomforting like a sickness of course for the initiated it's simply a boring scene with a woman trailing a feather bow up and down her tits and if that's the case for you then you're safe from the franco virus for now but if you could feel something stirring some wordless fascination some exotic temporal enigma on the tip of your consciousness then you know you've caught the strange discomforting sickness that will haunt you through your next hundred franco films It's a pleasure to be reminded that Franco can stir your tender emotions as well as your lust and fears. Nightmares come at night is soaked in a delicious sadness that seeps like an insidious narcotic from the screen. Franco's handheld camera style, his slow pacing, his oneric repetition, the brilliant use of music, the abstraction of bodies, the skill of the actors, lead you into a charged spaces and places of the mind unlike any other Nightmares Come at Night belongs in the mesmeric upper echelon of Franco titles. It may lack the complexity and overt cleverness of Succubus, but on the other hand, the characters are played straight. There's no sat- satire or craziness, no comic cameos or stylistic fr- frivolity. What matters to Franco here is the spirit of a girl broken by the selfish will of another. It's the flip side to his Sedean films, in which the virtuous are surrendered with a zeal the Marquis would have admired. Anna is weak, it's true, but she's a gentle, poetic, needy soul, ill-equipped to deal with the concentrated malice of her lover. Trapped between nightmares and the wickedness of the world, she can no longer cope. Franco regards her lonely predicament with sorrow, demonstrating a softer side to his filmmaking that would not surface again until Sinner, The Secret Diary of a Nymphomaniac, 1972. Cast and Crew Handsome Andre Manchel, real name Andres Manales, makes his Franco debut here, sporting a pencil mustache and lounging around with his shirt off, playing possibly the laziest jewel thief ever committed to film. He would go on to make a total of six films with Franco between 1969 and 1972, the most prominent of which is Vampiros Lesbos, before disappearing from the industry. His scenes in Nightmares come at night were shot at the same time and in the same house as those he contributed to Eugenie 1970. Soldat Miranda appears with him here just as she does in that film and the two of them have and the two of them never interact with the rest of the cast. As for Soldat herself, she first speaks 53 minutes into the film and her opening line will raise a bitter smile if you're not enjoying the movie. Is this going to last forever? Despite her minimal contribution to the film, most DVD and Blu-ray releases headline her name, which does at least show the extent to which Soldad Miranda's cult status has grown over the years. Notice she isn't even mentioned on the film's only existing theatrical poster. Also reappearing after his Franco debut in Succubus is Jack Taylor, playing an amusingly pretentious character I like to think of as the playboy twin of his mystic poet and the latter female vampire. Colette Giancumbine follows her brief appearance in Franco's Eugene, the story of her journey into perversion, with this media role as Cynthia the predatory lesbian. Although she is convincingly icy and cruel, she seems not to have worked much afterwards with a small role in Franco's Count Dracula, who's of the barmaid, and a brief turn as Mark Lester's murdered mother in Night Hair Child, 1972, plus an obscure Spanish comedy about an all-woman football team by Pedro Masso, director of the sleazy Ku stark vehicle Los Adolescentes, 1975. Uh, music Bruno Nicolai gives another franco top drop movie score which is a godsend for a film made so incredibly cheaply the two men were firm friends by now perhaps Nikolai agreed to waive his fee um let's see his locations spain and west germany connections the story resists elements of the diabolical dr z with a female predator posing as a theatrical impresario turning an impressionable innocent into a killing machine The rapid credits montage of giveaway shots from the film is a technique Franco would repeat for his 1973 film, La Noche de L'Azones. Caged birds as symbols of confinement recur from succubus and 99 women. The film also has a lot in common with orgasmo a.k.a. Paranoia, 1979, 1969, by Umberto Lindsay, starring Carol Baker as a woman driven crazy by a trendy young couple who use her weakness for sex and booze to drive her off a rocker. Also in the Lindsay film, a trusted figure turns out to be implicated in the chicanery. Coincidence, Commonwealth United released Paranoia in the U.S. after having worked extensively on set with Lindsay. Other versions, according to Alan Petit this film was released only in Belgium, Switzerland, and Canada. The English-language dub heard on the Shriek Show DVD, and subsequently the Redemption Blu-ray was done much later, specifically for the digital release. At one point, Jack Taylor's character refers to Robert De Niro, who did not become a household name until 1976, Taxi Driver. Still, this film. Still, the fact that this version includes a genuine on-screen credit for the version Francois Suggest that an English version may have been made indeed perhaps for all the pro diff titles, yeah, they don't really talk about Diana Lorys too much on uh this section, which I thought they might have spoke more about her, but uh yeah, because she's in uh Dr. Orloff and uh Tim Lucas in the commentary mentioned how she i guess didn't do any nude scenes for that, so of course, in this film she's like completely nude like from the beginning all the way to through the film. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of an interesting, uh, add on to it, but, uh, yeah, this is a cool film. Um, it's a really cool independent film, something he kind of did on a, on a break, you know, um, in between Harry on Towers films, um, like I said, you know, shot in just a week and, uh, it's a cool exercise. There's a lot of cool sequences in that, um. First time I watched it, I thought it was pretty cool. As I think about it more and ruminate on it over the last week or two, uh, I definitely like it, and it's definitely a good film in the Franco Canon, so I would definitely recommend checking out the Blu-ray DVD, uh, which, you know, you can get a lot of cool sellers have it. Um, it's not not hard to find, um, especially in the United States. Otherwise, I'm not sure. Um I also uh at the end of this part I wanna say thank you to uh all the listeners out there. I got uh been looking at the stats and that uh and I've been told that um the month of February, I believe, January into February, um we were the ranked number eleven in Sweden for film review podcasts. And for me that is totally amazing. And I want to keep that up and raise it up higher. So that's me. Blows me away that we were number eleven for film review podcasts in Sweden. So thank you very much for that. Also, we're doing great numbers in the UK, in Germany, in Spain, uh, in Portugal. We have listeners um, all over the world. So uh, yeah, really, really good. Those are like the top great people. Um, Italy, France. We got listeners in Singapore listeners the Philippines, we got listeners in 25 countries, so thank you very much, and uh, I'm going to keep putting out these podcasts, so we gonna have a lot of episodes, at least 100 plus, so we'll see if I go all the way to 170 something, all the films, but we'll have audio proof and everything from that, so thank you all, and uh, like I said, it's always going to be free, and uh, always going to be on a weekly basis, and sometimes two weeks, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, If you dig on what I'm doing, please let me know. You can get a hold of me at uh, FrancoObserver at yahoo.com. Drop me an email there. Um, Or you could check us out at the Franco Observer podcast page on Instagram or the Franco Observer podcast page on Facebook. Um, We put up pictures on both sites and uh, follow us there and uh, ask questions and leave comments and uh, all that good shit. So, uh, yeah, so thank you all for listening, and uh, what we'll have is, I think, let me actually look, and kind of doing this on the fly here, Uh, I don't think this has a trailer, so there won't be no trailer, there will not, excuse me, there will not be a trailer, it's better English, Um, but yeah, and also please download all the episodes, please tell your friends, please rate and share um on your uh whatever listening platform you listen to, if it's Spotify or Apple uh podcast or iTunes or any of the other ones, uh any of the players pod uh podcasts and or uh, podcatcher and all those so I know we're on a lot of different platforms uh and I keep adding more and more. So um also too on you can check out any of my trailers and films I have a couple short films posted on YouTube um, under the Desperate Visions uh, site, so you can check it out there and tell me what you think. And uh, yeah, and also sell all my films. But anyway, this is cool. So, uh, this is a uh, course the mission statement of bringing praise and memory of Jess Franco, bringing his name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. And, uh, that's really important so yeah also too um the episode after this episode 28 we are going to have air on the anniversary of Mr. Jess Franco Mr. Jess Franco Manera's death um so yeah we're gonna um do that for uh in April so you'll have an extra episode on that so that'll be on a Friday April yeah Check it out and uh, listen to me and Eric talk about nightmares come at night. Thank you all. Love you all. Goodbye. Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Frank Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy from Desperate Visions Productions And, uh, this is episode 27, where we watched Nightmares Come at Night, which was film 27 by Jess Franco. So, yeah, I'm going to try to, uh, get in sync here, because, uh, I like things when they get in synchronicity for, I used to call myself J-Synchronicity, so, uh, i want to try to keep that going here. So, for J-Synchronicity, uh, on this episode, again, my co-host is my friend and co-reviewer and, uh... Jess Frickle fan, Mr. Eric Whitwell. Hey! Hey, so, uh, yeah, so we watched uh, Nightmares Come at Night, and uh, I won't really tell you whether we liked it or not liked it or what, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis for this. Anna and Cynthia are in a relationship together, but Anna isn't happy. In fact, she's on the brink of mental collapse. She confides her misery to her concerned therapist, Dr. Paul Lucas, and we see Anna's story unfold in flashback. She had been working as a striptease artist in a second-rate Zagreb strip joint when when one night her show was attended by Cynthia. At first, Anna found the woman's intense scrutiny exciting. Her act grew more accomplished, and she began to display her body more and more erotically. Cynthia demanded that Anna move in with her, and soon the weaker woman was a virtual prisoner. Isolated in Cynthia's chateau, Anna began to suffer from nightmares in which she believed herself guilty of murder. Fearing that she was losing her mind, she tried to confide in Cynthia, who remained distant and unsympathetic. Hearing all this, Dr. Lucas maintains that Anna is not insane, but suffering some sort of breakdown. She needs rest, perhaps at a sanatorium. But can he be trusted any more than Cynthia? So, Eric... What did you think about the film?
1: There's a it was good. There was some aspects of it I really liked. Um, there's some areas that I was kind of confused uh, a little bit, um, but overall it was a it was a decent movie. It was a really good uh, set like shot locations. Um, yeah, it was good.
0: It was a good movie. Yeah. So basically, for this, we jumped back from the Dietrich stuff to uh, the film right before Count. Uh, Dracula, I was thinking it was the film be after Dracula, but it was the film for Dracula, so uh, we started the whole shebang with uh, episode 1 was film 28, so now for episode 27, this is film 27, so uh, obviously we're not going to go and watch Dracula again in the next episode, so I'm going to have, I think, the next episode uh, be a different film with uh, a different guest, and then film 29 we should be back on again, I think, how that lines up. But and then third we we're gonna run into trouble with vampiros, those boats. But don't worry, we'll write the ship. And speaking <laughs> of ships or boats, uh, gotta jump on the <laughs> f- jump on the list first. Yes. Because um, there's no sailboats in this film, which or no other boats, which made me sad. Uh, so yeah, b- before that, body of water, no body of waters.
1: No, no. It, yeah, yeah. No, there was no
0: body of water. No, because they drove around and for the churches and stuff. But yeah, no, no. Er- er- everything was landlocked. Yeah. Yeah, there's all the churches and the buildings and the skies and stuff. You see more skies than actual body waters now. Uh, So, of course, no sailboats, no boats. Palm trees, I think that's negative. Yeah, I didn't see any palm trees Yeah, no palm trees. There's not really any jungle settings in this film. (laughs) Uh, Which, of course, no jungle settings. You get no jungle sound effects, so none of that. Uh, Number six, chained up person. No. No. No, no. Well, it wore chains, but no. Chains of gold, but no... uh, (laughs) Now, that was a cool scene that the the lead was like sitting there naked with that kind of a gold outfit where oh, she yeah. walked in and sat down on the couch and she was nude. She just kind of just sat there and was watching the guy and woman dance and kiss yeah. and stuff. That was, yeah, she that was a mind. really cool scene. Yeah, that I was. Um, yeah, you know, and actually, uh, not to, well, actually, let me finish this before I can turn around. Uh, number seven, a dance scene on stage stripping. Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. So I think I'm going to talk about that scene. This scene yeah. might be one of the... Okay. So my notes was that was probably the laziest strip tease I've ever seen in my life.
1: Oh absolutely. Yeah, the
0: lady basically just laid on stage on like this like bench bed and like would wave an arm and I mean not throw her arm out, she would like half motion her arm up and then just kinda of like wave one finger. It was like the laziest like like she didn't want to be there, she didn't want to do it. And it was almost like that was the joke like she was just didn't care about the audience she was just there to whatever you know
1: yeah was it money. The, the the she did say that the the owner asked her to slow her act down yeah because go. uh he wants people to be able to to drink so that people yeah. could start drinking you know that's interesting but, yeah i didn't think about that part but that was real slow man yeah. that was like ultra slow that was almost like franco's uh death scene like slow mo death scene yeah, it was it was bizarre <laughs> it was like
0: uh her laying on the stage but like i was saying and then it cuts to the scenes of her sitting up where it was really cool but uh the lighting i liked a lot and eric remarked that it kind of looked like some of my photography which i totally dug that so yeah. uh but yeah it was it was really well I, that scene looked different than any other scene in the film with the lighting and just the and that was a club scene even though it was only like three people sitting there watching the act of her on stage <laughs> but it was cool it was just a uh, a bench and then a statue i don't know if it's a statue of david which is a statue yeah. like a greek statue and then uh with a fig leaf and then um uh, what else was there Boa and uh, what was on the right side I think nothing I think yeah, that was yeah, it yeah, yeah. Yeah, just that yeah, yeah that was so, it. but yeah I was just so lazy she was barely it was a strip tease scene a burlesque scene but yeah she just laid there and would like kick one leg a little bit and at first I thought she was just laying there and I go wait, wait a minute I think she's doing her act and then you could see her kick
1: her leg and move her arm it was so a, nuts yeah sexy. and
0: Eric's like you know if I went there and seen that act I'd be so
1: mad worse, <laughs> just like if I paid money to go see that act I mean no come on no no no, no.
0: yeah come on man, get up and do something i just <laughs> laying there over the hill and I watch the TV uh let's see number eight uh club scenes dancing yeah there's a dance scene later with a man and woman not a club scene but it was a dance scene where they were just kind of dancing and the woman walked in so you know i'll I'll still count that
1: yeah that's when she was wearing the gold
0: yeah exactly the gold chains uh number nine jazz music most definitely yes Yes. it came in a few times okay (laughs) now 10 11 and 12 are the big the big uh (laughs) in the room with this film I'm yeah. um, going to say them all in one, in three, in, like, a group, and then we'll talk about them. Okay. Ten excessive zooms, 11 out-of-focus shots, and 12 mirror shots. Well, actually, let's just go with ten, 11. Excessive zooms and out-of-focus shots. Yeah. Okay. I think you hit fuck mo- the fucking mother lobe with this film, because it was just, like, just
1: totally left and right, you know. It was constant. It was. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's almost like you could have, like, a drinking game. And if you did have a drinking game, you would be blacked out. Oh, yeah. yeah by the yeah. end of the movie. Like, it's... It was constant, nonstop. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was just bad. It was like, okay, at first it was kind of funny, but then it was just like, wait, hold on
0: a minute. It was like, it started outside, then it was inside. And it was just like every fucking shot of them together it was just so out of focus all the time. It was just really, I don't know, I was t- too much for my taste.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's one scene where she was talking to the doctor. I think they were in a car or something, and they were out of focus like the entire trip. Yeah. Like the yeah, entire trip. Like shot you're talking about. Her, uh, the Paul patterns her, on her. Yeah. Yeah. The patterns on her like sleeve was the only thing yeah. in focus.
0: Yeah. And that was outdoor, uh, in the car. Frank was kind of sitting in the back seat and there was like two people sitting in the front seats to talk to each other. And he had just focused on the shoulder nearest to the camera, the pattern of her and everything else. in the whole, Like 95% of the whole fucking scene was out of, out of focus and then zooms were just zoom in zoom out zoom in zoom out the part where those when the two gals were in bed together for the first time he would just zoom in and zoom out we were laughing it was just like that's all he was doing was yeah like, fucking zoom in zoom out like ten, time. it it was ten like times times. Was- <laughs> so stupid man. it was like he was masturbating the lens <laughs> yeah it was just while like, he's watching it. it was like he was like walking around in a circle and just kept peering in and peering in I don't know it was just and that was like out a of focus bird, you know <laughs> and there was a lot of birds in this too but yeah. but no talking parrots uh okay um mirror shots there was actually some really good mirror shots in this and actually the mirror shots like all the way through the yeah. film that was like really apparent almost like the other side of the mirror type heavy it was like shit probably 10 different mirrors and 10 different rooms they all kind of meant something It wasn't just any, anything throwaway you know
1: yeah there was yeah. One. oh let's well, talk later yeah yeah
0: yeah uh let's see um mind control theme oh most definitely yeah mind control theme in this yeah. um, magic tongue scenes not really no you know I mean they didn't really show any close ups of the tongue it was just a lot of making out and stuff but we didn't see anything like that you know because it was so out of fucking focus and they just kept zooming back and forth yeah so you yeah couldn't. you couldn't really see anything you started to feel like you were on a fucking boat and it was just going back and forth it was like a yeah. like, a, like, a, like you were getting seasick watching it oh yeah uh, red light yes there was a red light scene that was in the strip club scene um, let's see, number 16, of course, that's Dietrich, The Sheepskin Masturbate. So I'm going to probably take that off the list for this series of films. Or I'll say number 16 only relates to episodes blank through blank. Uh, number 17, Mad Scientist. Not really. Well, I mean, there's a, Paul Mueller's a doctor, and he talks about giving her a shot. I don't know what the shot was that he kept begging for her to give her. I was like, a, some injection that would make her maybe remember things. or to, I think they might have injected her with something and then she, that made her like under that spell or whatever. I think that's what yeah. made her the way she was, you know.
1: When he said, when he was talking about injecting her, uh, the lady said, well, don't do that because then people will realize she's not crazy. And then they're not going to believe. Then they're going to know that. It, you know, just, yeah,
0: I wonder what the injection was that he was going to give her. That yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'll have to watch commentary or read more about it and kind of see what that was. I'm kind of curious what that part was. Uh, and then last on the list, uh, fish tank shots. Oh, no, actually not last. Uh, fish tank shots. And then there was none of those. And then 19, talking parrot. No, but there was a lot of parrots in the beginning that was really cool. The yeah. scenes where it kind of showed her madness, the birds flying in a cage, and they're all kind of like... Um, macaws and parrots and everything You're just kind of flying around and there's bells and it was kind of, kind of heavy you know that was
1: probably like his big thing you know for that yeah no, yeah, no that was a yeah it definitely represented her hysteria and you know the franticness of the birds flying around and yeah it definitely was a good representation of that so let's see
0: um, so that was uh synopsis of the film Eric's thoughts my review you know I mean like I was telling Eric it's interesting like I think if I if I and we as a podcast would watch this first instead of like watching um, Voodoo Passion Satanic Sisters and a few things where you see the same story ideas over and over again, you might like it more. I think, um, but this being the first, I got to put this in context too. It's like where you see a lot of the same ideas, but for the first time, um, he uses a lot of the story ideas later on quite a bit. Like we were saying, there's diamond thieves yeah he's that uh was it uh, girls behind bars or was that um women behind bars the way where they were trying to steal the diamonds and then also too we just watched recently uh wicked women where they were had the diamonds and they were yeah. under hypnosis and all that and here they had the diamonds and the whole thing was all the diamonds <laughs> and then you had the putting the wife or something under hypnosis like voodoo passion where the woman didn't know what was going on and then you seen uh jack taylor again with the woman that she's in love with just like jack taylor said oh this is my sister and uh yeah. satanic sisters but the blonde woman and then uh also too in voodoo passion he's the husband that puts her under my control and yes he's, he's just a person i think that they meet or something he's the magician you know it's is his role <laughs> and jack taylor is a magician in this role because his move of taking off her black or her dresses pretty smooth it was smooth yeah he, he a was a magician good. yeah if you're a Jack Taylor fan this is a fucking cool film for he was like, swanky man like yeah, he, he had his gold cool chains yeah, he open was, shirt yeah and he knew how to kiss a woman in this film not like the other one, so yeah
1: yeah he was speaking poetically to her like yeah. just sweeping we, her off her feet talking of
0: the universe and fucking and <laughs> I don't know some cascade light show that he put on and I think he was a magician because he talked about going through the other side of the door and then what's you're on the other side of the door everything is totally different and your whole world has changed Yeah. Know? so you don't know if he's like a Doctor Strange guy or what the fuck he is but he was fucking cool in the film. Um, so yeah, you know, I mean, I, I fucking dug it. Um, let's see. Uh, it starts off with a really cool montage shots that you don't really see. You see yep. basically like the whole film from kind of beginning to end, but I don't know if it's in order or what. But you you see a lot of the scenes that you see later on the film where it jumps all around and and but it's just still shots of all that. And then of course uh, you get nudity in about twenty seconds in the film <laughs> with some of those shots. We're like, well, and the montage, yeah, yeah right, the, the montage scene at the beginning. Um, soft focus dream for us in the beginning. Um, a lot of positive things, great lighting, great cinematography yes. in this, yes. Uh, yes. really, yes. really cool shots. Um, a lot of cool camera placement he has a cool shot where he has a camera about say waist level on like a shelf with like bottles by it. That was pretty cool. And he has a lot of cool cameras, low cameras, high, a lot of cool editing, um, really cool cinematography besides so, like, the handheld stuff, of course, being
1: out of focus and that, that aside, there was a lot of cool camera ideas. Um there was one scene I really liked. Um yeah, it's yeah, where great. um she's uh Anna's talking to Cynthia. Or Cynthia's kinda of go off on Anna and it's a mirror scene. But you're looking into the mirror but then it's almost like oh, infinity yeah. was created.
0: Yeah there's like three or four mirrors inside of a mirror inside of a mirror shot I know what you're talking yeah, about. And yeah and
1: yeah. he just kept zooming like into the furthest one. And it was just really kinda of cool like, the way that the way that looked. Yeah, as a photographer I've done that before where you kinda of
0: have a mirror at an angle if you angle it just right that's crazy. Have yeah, the mirror, the angle just right. And if you catch people with a mirror, with another mirror, catching that reflection, you can just keep creating those layers like that. It looks really, really cool. Um, but, yeah, and then, of course, uh, we had uh, uh, Out of Focus, number 11, and then uh, Dancing on Stage Tripping. That was, like, the first two things that I noticed. And then, of course, the laziest dance scene
1: ever, uh, laying just real, you know, that was just the craziest thing. But, you know. And it went on forever. Like, it wasn't, like, a quick scene. Like, it went on for a long time.
0: But, you know, I fucking loved it.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I definitely to done me, it was, colors. like, a totally,
0: like, David Lynch, like, later on, like, that feel or, like, like, a total cult thing, like, just yeah. watching it. And especially the scene where she was sitting up and you kept pulling that bow up more and more and more. And then finally showed her pussy. And then she she kind of looked mad, like, crossed her legs real tight. Yeah. And she was all pissed off. Like, what the fuck are you looking at? You know? Yeah. And it was, like, kind of over. And then it went to black, you know? I, I I fucking dug that scene a lot. Actually,
1: actually, he did that a lot in this movie too. He let scenes go for a long period of time. Yeah, and that was pretty cool. Like I do like that effect. Like that was that was cool. And, and also, the colors were great. And
0: also to uh, uh, Diana Loris, the the lead that plays Anna, she uh, was also in the awful Doctor Orloff. And uh, when I had watched that film uh, a couple months ago um, on the commentary track, he had talked about how. Uh, she didn't really want to get nude for that film or something. So of course in this film Franco has her like nude like <laughs> almost all the way through. She was a very attractive woman, obviously. Yeah, I was yeah. like, wow, I
1: was totally spent with her. Um, every woman in this movie was really yeah.
0: attractive, yeah. Diana Loris, beautiful, uh you had uh Colette Giancobi is oh. Colette Chak, Cynthia Robin, uh Andrea Manales is Andrea Moncelli, the neighbor. Soldat Miranda, yeah. yeah, Soldat Miranda. That's something I want to bring up. I keep forgetting. um I don't know. Like they said, we kind of watched the little thing at the end where they talked about that those scenes are so disjointed. He probably just wanted to work with Soldat and put her in some kind of a film, but the, she's almost wasted in this film. Yeah. The scenes she's in are just so far and few, and it's just she just lights up the scene with her outfit. She's so fucking sexy with the whole oh, bottle God. with her like black strong and her black knee high boots and. She looks so good, but she's, like, not in until, like, 35 minutes of the film. And then you see her, and it's, like, two minutes, and it's done. And, like, ten minutes later, you see her for two, three more minutes, and it's done. It's just, like,
1: I don't know. It was really confusing, too, because you had no idea, like, why are they even there? You know, like, what, what are they doing? You know, because yeah. you knew what they were doing, but, like, how did that fit into the movie? Like, it just was real disjointed.
0: Yeah, because basically, like, the synopsis what I read you, it does make sense from how it's written. But, like, when you're watching it, you just kind of, like, see this woman... And she's just kind of like really odd. You don't know what's going on. And she's kind of like disjointed. And you kind of just kind of like follow her path and the people that she kind of meets. And then later on, you realize that who these people are and all the ulterior motives they have and how she's just kind of a robot that's going to kill everybody off. That's in their group that had stolen diamonds, basically, Uh, which that was, of course, a theme with the other films that I had mentioned before, Food of Passion and and, uh, uh, the Sinister Eyes, Dr. Orloff, which we haven't watched yet, but I know that took after this the same theme and the mind control theme is very very prevalent in those films um but yeah way too many zooms out of focus shots (laughs) camera movement uh
1: one thing i found that was really kind of funny though is uh so where they're staying in that house with solo dad miranda and the gentleman they're staying in that house there's a for sale sign out front in english and it's like wait this is like not in anywhere in an English-speaking country.
0: Yeah, it's like French, I believe, all the
1: way through. Yeah, and then and then inside the room where they're at, on the wall, it just says, Life is all shit. Yeah. And that's in English as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was, I was wondering, because like, this is 1969, I wonder if uh, that was the influence of Helter Skelter. Because the first shooting period says this was uh, September of 1969. second shooting period was January, February 1970. That's probably the uh, Soldab Miranda thing. Yeah. So, yeah, so they basically shot the, the brunt of this film in September 69, and then the stuff was sold out in January, February 1970, and it came out January 18th, 1973, in Belgium. That's cool. So, yeah, I would think that has to do with probably Helter Skelter, Dial Piggies, and that is probably uh, stuff like that is from the runoff of that and just the fashion and everything of that time, you know. Yeah. Um, any other notes you have? Anything up until the end? Because um, 'cause I'm probably gonna go to the end here in just about a minute.
1: Yeah, no, it's there was the no, not really. It was Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um but yeah, no, the uh the lead, um Dinalores I thought was really great. Uh she reminded me of like a Yellow type actress, very beautiful, very Italian, very naked, very 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 <laughs> much a woman. Big beautiful boobs, big, big beautiful bush, big beautiful ass, big beautiful woman. Yeah, yeah, she was awesome. And then, uh, who's the gal that you liked? Oh, uh, the Colette. Yeah, uh, Colette Jack. Colette Jack. Yeah, yeah, she was. She was super hot. Colette Jim well, Combine. She had odd eyes, though. Yeah, no, of course. Hold on. Yeah, so that was number the, one. But. The Queen, but yeah. but uh, but yeah, but the lead was very awesome. She was oh, really yeah. good. And then, of course, uh, third and uh, with a bullet, Miss Solda Ronda, who just looks so fucking gorgeous in this. Her (laughs) tan lines have her own. Her tan lines should be billed by as, get its own credit, you know. (laughs) Amazing. Um, And then, of course, uh, Paul Mueller is great. Uncle Paul's in this. Uh, Jack Taylor, of course, is Cynthia's lover, a playwright. So, yeah, the magician. Um, He's also a magician, too, in that. Remember uh, what was that uh that one where you see that poster and it has his little play Oh, that's right. Yeah, they talked about him being a uh a magician, you That's know? right. I forgot I totally what forgot that, about was. That, yeah. that was. That uh, was uh, was it wicked women or no, it was That was uh, like towards the beginning. Yeah, it was uh Oh, it was um Voodoo Passion, I think. Or no,
1: uh anyway, I'll I'll figure it out later, but yeah. Well, it the, was one that we watched. There was another scene actually that I did like the so um uh Jack Taylor takes her outside and he goes oh behind the door you know he's like really romancing uh, Anna and he's like come outside and he's like that's the big dipper and it's like yeah that's pluto and yeah. <laughs> and it's like he uh it was cool because like they're standing there and it's pitch black all around them yeah it's like he took a flashlight and would just kind of shine it on them and then off
0: yeah or it might have been one of those swinging lights with like a light thing like yeah a,
1: like a like a
0: swing light or something but yeah totally go ahead
1: yeah i thought that was a really cool uh yeah effect that he did yeah it was almost real easy it was
0: vision it was more implied and it was up to your imagination what they saw and it could be like a whole projection like i was saying earlier if if he was a magician or if he wasn't a magician it was all just part of the whole night you know whatever yeah. he was going through And then in the end, uh, of course, you've probably already seen anyway or whatever. Giving the spoiler Spoiler won't kill anything. No pun intended. (laughs) Um, They lead, of course, puts a gun in her mouth, and the funny part is, is we always laugh about Franco films with the shooting on this basically she puts her gun in her mouth and you hear the sound of
1: <laughs>
0: there's no blood except for a little bit on her teeth and that's it a yeah. person puts a gun in her mouth and blows her brains out there's like just a little bit of blood on the teeth little bit and of that's blood. it yeah. no nothing else you know the old yeah. spaghetti
1: western like sounding gun effect yeah <laughs> yeah no, i don't know that was laugh it was like wow you know yeah you hear the sound and that's
0: that's it the the gun thing i mean she reacted good to to her death but yeah, the I don't know. The budget on the uh, gore effects was nil. Nil, so.
1: yeah. But it was kind of also um, like it's one thing I thought was kind of funny too is like so Soldado Miranda and her and the guy like they're in the, they have separate scenes like they have scenes of them in the movie yeah and then they're just killed like it's like there's no like yeah they just they're done yeah, yeah. you
0: just see and, and it's implied that it's the lead you know yeah um, Dinah butt. but. You don't know, it's just a shadow, and it's just, you know... And, and actually... I think it was Colette. Yeah, well, I mean, in theory, it's because yeah. it, they brought back Paul Mueller and her to film. Yeah. But I thought the shadow was the hypnotized woman, I thought, wandering across the street. Oh, I don't know. You don't know, but it, it, mm-hmm. it, it, it could be Colette. Maybe I just didn't follow that part close enough. But yeah, I thought it was supposed to be the, yeah. the, the fucking other woman because you don't even see her you see a shadow you yeah know? and you don't even see it well, oh yeah also too there's a scene where uh, earlier in the film where she's kind of wearing the gold chains and and uh, there's a blonde woman and a guy dancing with like sideburns and that and uh, basically they go off into a room that's so fucking dark all you see is the white of the guy's ass <laughs> uh, and and there's mirrors there's like four mirrors that are like all on the wall like the 70s style where they have like a wall of mirrors I actually as a kid I had a house like that on 10th street where we had a wall, a wall of mirrors and it was all diamond shaped and had panels between the mirrors and shit but so yeah so you see all the mirrors on there but and the mirrors were so fucking dirty it was just like you couldn't see and uh Eric's like what's going on I can barely see anything <laughs> it was funny too because the guy's white ass was the only thing that lit that's up the room the, yeah that's yeah it- <laughs> Because the guy was like blocking the window, and you know, all you see is this white ass, and like the woman's part of her hair, and the other woman, they're all so tan, he couldn't see shit. There was like, no yeah. fucking visible light in there, except for that blocked window by that dude. And then when he sat down, you could see a little better, but then all the light... So yeah, so actually the light was behind the camera, because there was the mirrors, so the light was blocking from the guy standing there, that's funny. So once they move, then you could see it bounce off the fucking mirror. The mirror is so dirty. It's like even worse. <laughs> yeah. Although it gave a cool thing to, for a little bit, but just went, went too long, which same with the zoom and the out of focus. It's just, it's cool, but it just goes too long. Yeah. That's and the thing it goes too long, you know, and it's not even a long film either. It's only like eighties 80 minutes or 70 something minutes. So, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, it's an interesting film. It was a lost film for a long time. Um, You know, it was just, like, discovered in 2004, so it was made in 1973, so, you know, that's pretty, pretty fucking That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's that's, pretty cool. Yeah, so it's it's out there on Blu-ray. We watched the uh, Kino Laura Bar uh, Redemption Blu-ray, which is really cool. There's a lot of cool extras on there. There's a behind-the-scenes thing, making of it, and uh, commentary, I think, and a bunch of other good stuff, so definitely check that out. Um if you want to get a hold of us, you can get a hold of us at the Franco Observer Podcast at yahoo.com. You can find us on Facebook at Franco Observer Podcast at Franco Observer Podcast at uh, Instagram. We have an Instagram page. Um, also, too, like I say, each time, numbers are doing great every month, like doubles to the last month. So thank you all again. Thank you. Thank you, thank you for subscribing. Thank you for uh, telling everybody. Thank you for telling your friends, like cool people. Hey, there's this cool fucking podcast about just franco check it out that's what ray says and our numbers are showing that so thank you thank you uh 25 countries dig it and numbers are great uh uk germany numbers all that are always on the rise so thanks again for everybody for listening all that good stuff good and talk good talk um in closing any any final words
1: no not really it was a good movie i had a lot of cool aspects to it and cinematography the lighting except for that one scene and
0: yeah it's a film you watch first time you're kind of like okay and you watch second time it's like then once you kind of know what to watch for you can follow it a little bit better um like i said visually it's cool um the lead actress is definitely interesting to look at all the way through soul dog could have been in it a lot more um but we see her coming up more soon so that's cool um so yeah in closing um check it out and uh all that good stuff And see you later
1: Have some beautiful nights Beautiful nights